Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Activate, a podcast designed to help you activate your faith. Beyond just hearing and listening to an act of faith, I'm Ryan Holt, the, the Next Steps Pastor at Journey Church International, and my first time on the podcast filling in for Brandon Reeb. I'm here today with Pastor Christian Newsom, and uh, we're here in Lee Summit, Missouri, and we always start with a a question from a listener. We have people send those in, and so I want to start today, Christian, with a question from one of our listeners. My wife and I have been trying to understand the difference, if there is any, between Jesus and God. Are they the same person? And if they are the same person, who is Jesus praying to while on earth? It's it's very confusing. Please help us understand. Well, Ryan, that's a tough question to wrestle through in life, uh, much less on a podcast, but I'll try um, with this caveat. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 Uh, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah about just spiritual things he can't understand says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Francis Chan in his book Crazy Love uh, says, you know, if, if humanity is a Coke can and all that can be known about God is the ocean, it would be crazy to think that we have the ability to even comprehend the bigger things of God. Um, but I will try to give some theological understanding to this question. So the Bible doesn't contain the word Trinity, uh, which is the doctrine of a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit together. Um, the Bible, uh, when you study it, reveals a triune nature. The word triune means three in one um, that reveals God to us. And while God is one, And Scripture makes that clear. The Bible reveals God to us through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These are separate but equal parts of God's nature. Um, From God revealing, uh, referring to himself as us in the days of creation to two pictures in the New Testament uh, where all three parts of the Trinity are together at once, Jesus' baptism and Jesus' transfiguration. He's there. God is speaking. The Holy Spirit is present. We see that all three parts of God have different functions that serve and complement each other, and each relies and depends upon the other, and they operate relationally in a picture of loving submission and in loving service. It really is a picture of healthy human relationships um, and how they work. But there really isn't a good human parallel to say it looks like this. Uh, I've actually read in theology books that the Trinity could be like an egg, uh, one egg that has three parts, a shell, a yolk, and an egg white, um, that work together, you know, to compare God to an egg doesn't do it for me. That doesn't help my mind understand. I've heard that the Trinity is like three parts of a person, the mind, body, and soul, and how they interact. I I feel like that falls short. It really boils down to trusting a doctrine that's implied in Scripture more than it's directly or practically taught in Scripture. But to try to answer the direct question, Jesus is both fully God, yet he's only one part of the revealed triune God. Uh, When he prays, he isn't praying to himself. He's praying towards a different revealed part of the triune God um, who he's in an eternal and equal relationship with. He refers to that relationship as father in his prayers, not because God is his dad, but because that word describes the proper reliance and reverence and respect um, and maybe even a family type of relationship that the, the Trinity has in relationship. So I hope that answers the question it probably doesn't answer it fully. Um, you know, if, if we can talk further, please send an email and let us know. 
Well, it's a good uh, question and, and obviously a difficult answer, and a lot of people have it, but uh, you can ask a question also. You can send us an email at activate at takethejourney.cc. We'd love to do our best to answer your questions. Now to uh, discuss some some key aspects of the, the third message in our famous last word series. You know, as the Next Steps guy here at uh, Journey Church, I, my primary role is small groups, so I love to hear a message uh, I get excited about it when it expresses the importance of community or spiritual family. Christian, you mentioned that in our lives we constantly move from one support system of friends and family to the next if if we always stay plugged into spiritual family. Have you ever had a time where you missed the handoff from one group of support to the next, and did you find yourself alone? What What would you say to people who are in that situation? So, Ryan, I've got a couple different answers for this question, but really— they amount to excuses that lead me to answer yes. Um, I've had seasons in my life where I've missed the handoff and found myself without a spiritual support system. However, it's hard to just say yes because I've never been out of church. Um, I've never not been around groups of people. I've always known and been known by lots of spiritual people. I've had lots of church connections my entire life. But I've come to realize that church connections and spiritual family aren't always the same thing if the church connections aren't involved in your real life outside of church. Growing up, my family was such a a strong spiritual connection for me, even more than my church or my friends in college. I was fortunate in that I intentionally chose to go to a Christian college because I wouldn't have made it spiritually at a secular college at the time. Uh, So at my school, Liberty University, I had a great Christian group of coaches uh, where I played football and teammates. I had dorm leaders who cared about me spiritually. They became my spiritual family when I got married. I had spiritual mentors in my life that served as big brothers and spiritual families. And for about three years, I really felt strong spiritually. But I I had a period of about seven years that were pretty dark for me spiritually, pretty lonely for me, even as a pastor. Uh, At the end of that time, I found myself struggling uh, with depression, discouragement, fear, anxiety, um, and loneliness that was deep. Uh, And I found myself talking to a counselor who helped me see that I didn't have a spiritual family in my life at the time. I was surrounded by people at my church. I was surrounded by people in ministry, but I wasn't really close to any of them. I didn't have any spiritual brothers, no spiritual friends, no spiritual fathers. So I got all in on spiritual family. I asked a group of guys to start hanging with me every Wednesday night after church uh, to just talk. Um, We'd go to a, a local uh, kind of sports bar and hang out and and eat wings and and drink Diet Dr. Peppers and talk till midnight just about life uh, every Wednesday night. I started running with a friend that I was doing children's ministry stuff with. I got closer really than a brother with a guy I was mentoring. I found a spiritual father to start mentoring me. And before I knew it, I was getting healthy, uh, starting a church. And really this new spiritual family helped me start this church. And many of them are still highly engaged, but I had to make some major changes and sacrifices in my life to prioritize making spiritual community spiritual family, and I'm really glad that I did. At times, it really does make—you uh, have to make time. You have to do some some changes and some sacrifices in order to do those. Uh, Christian, you quote King Solomon from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, which is several key points on, on not being alone and the strength of two or more people together. Like the wisdom we get from Solomon in this text, what, what wisdom can you share about the benefits of being in a spiritual family? I think the first big one is just knowing— that you have someone that cares deeply about you and they remind you that they care deeply about you. You know, there's no question that life is lonely, 
But I think what makes life more lonely from a spiritual standpoint is that constant voice in your head and in your heart that says, nobody cares. Nobody's thinking about you today. You're all alone. Um, this will never get better. I can't tell you the number of Facebook posts I see that basically say, if I'm important to you, please do this. Like my picture, post this, repost this. Um, psychologists now tell us that teens today base their self-worth on how many likes they get on their Instagram pictures or how many streaks they have on Snapchat. I honestly don't even know what that means, but I know it's probably unhealthy. <laughs> um, we want to be convinced that we're not alone. We want to be convinced that somebody out there cares, and spiritual history um, proves that God does care about that. It's why he gave Eve to Adam and Isaac to Abraham and Moses to Pharaoh's daughter and Samuel to Hannah and Boaz to Ruth, and it's why God has placed spiritual community around you who could become your spiritual family if you'd open yourself up to it. And that's just one benefit. I mean, spiritual family prays for each other. They check up on each other. They watch each other's backs. They notice when, you, when you're off your game a little bit. They celebrate with you. They mourn with you until you're strong enough to move forward again. Those are just a few things that spiritual family does for each other. Uh, and when you remove those things from life, man, it gets lonely and it gets hard. Those things are really important. That really is what spiritual family does for each other. Uh, the next question is, if you're just starting on your journey to build a spiritual family— what should you start with first? Who is the most important family member to start your spiritual family with? Really good question, and I'm going to try to give a good answer that I realize is not one size fits all. Okay, so I, I may say something that may not be the priority relationship in your life, but I think this is one size fits most. Um, for men, you know, the Bible highlights a lot of relationships like David and Jonathan, two men who strengthen each other who hold one another accountable. So so if I'm a man, I'm trying to find a strong strong Christian friend that I respect spiritually, that I want to be like spiritually, and that I want to spend time with spiritually. So if I'm a man, I'm I'm looking for a strong Christian friend who can hold me accountable. If I'm a woman, um you know, I, I'm looking at the relationship of Naomi and Ruth. Um you know, women naturally have more connections and friendships than men. So if I'm a woman, I'm looking for a spiritual mother who can really speak wisdom into your current stage of life from from her experience. I mean, I literally came to this podcast from our Mops ministry, which is a beautiful picture of young mothers meeting with more experienced mothers who are just trying to speak truth into their life. So if I'm if I'm a mother uh, and, and if I'm a wife, I'm looking for probably a spiritual mother. And if I'm single, um, whether I'm a single man or I'm a single woman, I'm trying to look for spiritual children, meaning I'm trying to find ministry to engage in. Uh, because you know who was single, Ryan? Jesus was single. The Apostle Paul was single. For people who like to say single people aren't complete, help me understand then if you're, if you're saying Jesus was incomplete or the Apostle Paul was incomplete. Uh, singleness, according to the Apostle Paul, Singleness has the gift of margin that allows you to engage in more ministry to more people. So you can have more spiritual children. Um, my primary ministry is to my wife and my two kids. I mean, it's my biblical, biblically mandated responsibility, which means anyone who comes into my life starts in fourth place at best. Paul says the gift of singleness allows you to put people in places that only family can usually offer them. So if I was single... And I was healthy, right? If I was single and I was healthy spiritually, 
I would see myself as the best spiritual brother, sister, or father, or mother, or friend that I could be, and I would pour myself into a ministry like I like I pour myself into my wife and kids. According to Paul, this is the Christian single person's greatest gift to the world, their margin, their time, their heart that they can offer relationally in ministry. Paul would actually say, Ryan, that people like us are burdened by our family. You know, Paul said, why would I, why would I want to get married? I'm looking at my Christian friends. They can't do as much ministry as I can. We obviously don't see it as a burden. You know, it's, it's our gift to us. But Paul would say, when it comes to ministry, being single is a gift of ministry. So men find a friend, ladies find a spiritual mother, singles find a ministry and start leading some spiritual children or listen, start wherever your heart says you need to start, but just get started. Yeah, getting started is good practical advice that that really everyone should take. And Christian, you talked about. Hang the on, I'm going to interrupt you before you go to that next yeah. the next question because getting started is hard. It is the hardest part, right? So I pastor a church with all these people that I've got connections with. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable in a known crowd. Last week, Christian had a baseball meeting. My son Christian, where I had to go have dinner with a group of parents um, that I I didn't know at all. And I can't tell you how nervous I was in my heart walking up to the ha- this house, knowing that I was going to spend the next two hours with a group of people that I didn't know trying to figure out, you know, how, how could I hide? Where could I go? Um, you know, telling Danielle, don't leave me. You know, I know how, I know how it feels walking into a small group. We, we were fortunate in that when we walked in, we recognized one couple who we instantly got to know better because they were the only people we even recognized. And by the time we left, I I now know four or five families that I can't wait to see again. But getting started is hard. I get it. I, I mean, I get walking up that first time, but it's worth it in spiritual community, and it's safe in spiritual community. You're right. Even as an extrovert, some of those situations are challenging for me. Uh, so it is getting started is easy to say. It's different doing. Sure. It really is. Christian, you talked about the average person is probably overconnected in terms of relationships, but... Maybe at the same time spiritually disconnected from the right family members. Uh, how do you add spiritual family to your busy life when you don't have time for them and you don't want to replace any of your current relationships? So I'm going to repeat the question before I answer it. How do you add spiritual family to your busy life when you don't want to replace any of your current relationships? The answer is you don't. If you're not willing to make changes, you won't. Um, so if your life and your schedule is already full, you cannot add without subtracting. You can't put something in without replacing something else. And for me, instead of choosing who goes right, instead of making a list of, you know, which one of these people do I want to replace? Um, just start the whole list over. Um, I choose, I choose by starting who gets in. I start my life over with my family and my spiritual family at the top. And then after reprioritizing, eventually something just gets left off the bottom of the list might be a person, might be a group, might be a hobby, might be a Netflix show, might be something that actually really negatively affects you that you're not even aware of at this time. And when it gets replaced by healthy spiritually spiritual family, all of a sudden you find that everything gets better immediately because this thing or this person was so negatively time consuming. But it's a choice people have to actively make. It's why this pod- podcast is called Activate. Learning this stuff means very little. If you don't do something about it, activation of key faith principles is what really counts 
in the end, not just knowledge of stuff. Again, why we have named this Activate. Um, you know, you, you mentioned this picture of a strong spiritual family, and you mentioned spiritual children. Uh, and at Journey Church International, we've talked a lot about pouring into someone this year to help them grow spiritually. If a, if a person is newer in their faith, what, what steps can they do to pour into spiritual children? This is kind of a two-part question. Um, that, that's part of it. And then what activities, what steps can a person do or take to pour into any spiritual children they may have? And what can they try uh, to do to ensure their spiritual children are, gro- are, are doing some growing spiritually? So this is a this is a question that every parent has deep down and that really probably every parent is afraid to ask because they fear they they cannot do what the answer is. And really, every Christian should have this question. If I've got someone who I'm trying to help know Jesus better, how do I help them? Here's a few simple things these are going to apply for parents of children. These can be taken to apply to spiritual parents of spiritual children and really it comes straight from Deuteronomy 6 and God's message, message is, or how do you develop the next generation, whether they're in your own family, whether they're friends at work, uh, what, you know, whether they're kids on a team you oversee or a class that you teach. One, talk about spiritual things. Talk about spiritual things. If it's people in your house, talk about spiritual things around the house. Play worship music. Ask about what people learned at church. Pray at every meal together as a family. Begin living spiritual life together. If you're a parent, pray with your kids every day. Listen, even if they're in the crib and they don't understand what you're saying, pray over them every day. I try to pray with my kids every day before they go to school. I rarely miss. It's never more than a 10-second prayer. But it is a pause to say, hey, I hope God is with you today. And to recognize that for them to recognize God is with them today. Um, if they're really little children and you're a parent, read them the picture Bible. You can go to any Christian bookstore. You can go online and just Google picture Bible. It's kind of like a comic book Christianity, the Bible stories in comic book form, um, and learn together about the stories and the people of the Bible. If you have a younger Christian friend you're mentoring, get them on the same reading plan as you so they at least know when they have a question, you're reading the exact same thing. Um, Bring your kids to church. Put them in the most important church activities like vacation Bible school and church camps. Send them on mission trips if they're your own kids. If it's a spiritual child that you're just trying to raise up in the faith, get them to church with you on Sunday. Make sure they're in a small group. Help them learn how to serve in ministry. Um, Get them around Christianity. Uh, If they're teenagers, tell them your story spiritually. Be honest with who you were, how you found God, and how he has helped you spiritually. And listen, if if it's a teenage child, a college-age child, or if this is someone in your life who's kind of a spiritual child, that you're just trying to raise up, ask their permission to hold them spiritually accountable. And if they say yes, and most will, then do it. I mean, really try to help them and watch over their life, you know, and, and, and speak into them spiritually. My parents did all these things for me. And then my spiritual family that I've been connected to spiritual mentors have tried to do these things for me. I try to do them for my kids before I had kids. I did them for kids who were in my youth group. Um, And now many spiritual parents are still doing this for me and for others in our church. I believe if every Christian would try to help a younger Christian mature, that the world would be a different place. So just plug into somebody and start living faith life together. These are invaluable truths that will surely impact you and and obviously others as people you pour into and pour into you will really 
really make a difference. Thanks, Christian, and thank you for listening today. We we hope you'll take a moment and rate us. Uh, it's wonderful if you'll rate and review us on iTunes and share us with your closest friends. It really helps get the word out about the valuable resource. We hope you'll catch us next week on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. As you heard in this episode, Christian answered several questions from some of our listeners. You might have a question you'd like to ask as well. To submit that question, all you need to do is send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. Also, share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.